Hello. 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 Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Scott? Can you hear me? I can hear you now. Can everybody hear each other? Yes. Yeah. All right, cool. How's everybody doing? Who the hell's idea was this? It was Bill. It was Bill. Yeah, it was the frog's idea. my idea. I'd be asleep. I don't know why we're up. I'm up anyway, and I do have places to I'm go, not... so I need to do this early. I understand okay. that it is an inconvenience for busy men such as yourselves. I'm not busy. I just like to sleep. <laughs> and now it's time to sit back and enjoy the two true freaks internet radio broadcast. Stop it! Disenfranchised by the modern comics industry, producer Paul Spitaro, Dr. Bill Robinson, and Scott H. Gardner now ply the time stream in a never-ending quest to rediscover and reconnect with that unique brand of fun and excitement that can only truly be found in good old-fashioned, randomly selected comic book back issues. Journey with them now. Back. Back. To the bins. I got nowhere else to go. I got nowhere else to go. I got nothing else. My birthday's coming up, so she's like, "What do you want to do for your birthday? Why don't we just drive around from comic book store to comic book store, and I'll buy you whatever you want." <laughs> That's a possibility. I said, but you know, the, the problem is she doesn't understand. The treasure hunt aspect of it. She's just like, oh, if you find the book that, that's on your want list, you buy it. It's like, no, it doesn't work that way. You have to find it at a good price. Right. It's not at a good price. You don't buy it. <laughs> well, you really want it. What's the difference if it's $2 more? I don't want it for $2 more. <laughs> I want it for this price. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 a good argument to be having. <laughs> I can't can't uh, criticize it. It's, it's better than hey, you spent twenty dollars on comics. What's wrong with you? Right. Yeah. Before you look at what? What the f is that sound? Do you hear that? What sound do you hear? I'm not sure. Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? It's a It's like a. It's like a loud bicycle horn or something. This weird beeping sound I keep hearing. Oh, I don't know what that is. It's like a digitization or something on Paul's. Yeah. Yeah. It, it might it be. Too? Yeah. Yep. Is it still doing it? Uh, Not at this looking. moment. No, I went downstairs. Weird. I went downstairs to let the dog out and get her back Are in. Are you on a wireless headset? And I'm on a wireless headset, so I might have gone out of range. That's what it was. Because yeah. you got you got all you got all scratchy for a couple of seconds, uh, because I was going further from the computer, so it might have been that. Anyway, yeah, we should we should. Your ass down. I just sat it down. <laughs> yeah. What 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 time are we good till? 
Uh, I mean, I'd like to try and do about... I mean, we're only going to do one book. Maybe we'll do like an hour. Yeah, what do you think? think? Probably, yeah. I'm thinking that's an episode. Uh, you know, we do an hour. We'll do one book. We'll do... You said you have some shit you wanted to talk about. Yeah. All right, so I think, you know, well, the question is, is the filler good enough to do that first and then the book? Or do you want to do the book and then just shoot the breeze after that? And Yeah, let's let's do your book first, because, I mean, you, you brought this for the last show and then we didn't get to it. So it's because you guys hated it. I didn't say that. You hated my book. You were you were you were sleeping. You were so tired. Actually, actually, that sounds like you played a recording of it. <laughs> I'm, I'm a fucking senior citizen now. I get up at like five thirty, and I'm I'm ready to go to bed at seven. Jesus Christ! What are you getting up at five thirty for? Oh, actually, this usually usually I get up more like six thirty. Nice and, nice and smooth. Yeah, I hope nice so. Nice and smooth, see? That's, that's the, way the way to do it. it. Nice and smooth. If so that's a reference, I cannot get it. It's what? The Flint, it's the Flintstones. Oh, okay. It's the Flintstones. That's, that's, that's the uh, Superstone episode. That's, that's when I, Fred's I, getting robbed, and I, the guy's... Real, real high on. I mean, I'm not, not real versed on uh, on the Flintstones. I like the Flintstones. I'm not real versed on the Flintstones. Give me a break. You, you I am so sad. You, you, you know, you have just fallen in my eyes. <laughs> I just didn't have a lot of access to the Flintstones as a as a young as a youth. It's like one of the most highly uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Regarded. Cartoons in the world. I didn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I hold it in high regard. I'm just saying, I didn't have a lot of access to it as a as a kid. That's because you 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 didn't have a good kid life. Well, that's because it was taking place. <laughs> it was it was it was happening while you were uh, back then. You know, whatever. Because you were born in the Stone Age. Oh, come on now. Come on. Yes, Scott, you're old. <laughs> Ah, feeling it. I'm feeling it this morning with this f***ing 7 a.m. shit. Says the guy that's only, you know, I'm only like one or two years. Uh, I know, right? Dicky. I don't know. I don't, I, don't, I, I, don't, I don't have that much longer that I'm going to be looking up at 60. Say that so, again? I said I don't have that much longer that I'm going to keep looking up at 60. And that scares me. I'm going to arrive oh, there before, before, before okay. you know, before too long. God willing. Because <laughs> I guess the alternative is worse. Don't worry. When you reach 60, your testicles will still be hanging down at 59. So. <laughs> well, wasn't that a... <laughs> I, 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 I never saw the movie, but I remember somebody telling me about it in the movie Bad Grandpa. There's a scene where he's wearing shorts and his, his testicles are hanging so low that they're like coming out of one, <laughs> like one of the legs of his shorts. <laughs> Never saw it, but it's just just the concept I find very amusing. <coughs> All right, Lord, be, oh, see, you, you got oh, it. Sorry, you got to interrupt. 
That was not meant. To, I wasn't trying to interrupt. I was. No, that was just a normal bodily noise. Yawning. Uh, yeah, that's what that was. I was yawning. <laughs> just, just before we, uh, before we go on, just uh, I was hanging out with one of my friends a couple of weeks back, and he. he 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 said to me, there were three rules that I follow since um since I turned after ever since I turned fifty. So since we are all over fifty now, I will uh, I will share these with you. The first is never pass up a bathroom. The second is never waste an erection, and the third is never trust a fart. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to Back to the Bins and show in which I will keep getting interrupted every time I try to introduce it, so I'm going to just power my way through. <laughs> I'm Paul Spitaro, and that's Scott and Bill. Hey, guys. Hi. Hello. Hi. <laughs> How are you guys doing? <laughs> Good. So just, just to let everybody know, because I do like to keep you informed of these things, uh, we have just concluded yet another Never will be aired episode of the Get Off My Lawn cast. Uh, we've been talking <laughs> probably for close to an hour now, and and it's been a nonstop bitch session. Session, and you are welcome that we are not sharing it with you. So today we are going to maybe, look. Maybe we should maybe we should think about. Uh, I know that other shows uh, do this thing where uh, they have the. Oh God, what's it called? The Patreon. Um, yes. And and like they have bonus content for their Patreon subscribers. Maybe maybe we should think about doing something like that. Like, you know, some sort of special incentive. You know, if you're if you're, I don't know. I, I've resisted that idea for so long. Is, but I, I, I have I have the program. I have the program. <laughs> if you, the more you subscribe, as far as your Patreon donations go the less you have to listen to us doing the Get Off My Lawn cast. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I, I think it works. Well, you pay, the less you hear. I think the money will come rolling in. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I am resistant to the Patreon thing, and I don't have anything against the people that do it. I really don't. Uh but it just feels to me like begging for money, frankly. Like, And yeah. again, I don't have any problem with the people who do it. So it's not that I'm listening to them and I'm thinking, oh, they're begging for money. I feel like I would be begging for money if I did it. Yes. Yeah. I, abs I absolutely agree with you. There are expenses that go with this and there's you know, a lot of time and effort that's put into it. And if somebody feels that they need, you know, they need to do it that way, uh, you know, more power to them. I have no problem with it. Uh, but frankly, I've, I've donated to a couple of podcasts like thank you for your, uh, you know, for giving me this entertainment. So he is, you know, whatever, 20 bucks. Uh, but I, I just I don't sign on for Patreon because I don't feel like I want to be paying for podcasts. Right. You know, it's, I, yeah. I give it out. For, I give it away for free. I want to accept it for free as well. That's my way of looking at it. Give it away. Give it away. Give it away now. I think, well, that's my way of paying it back. I don't, I shouldn't have to pay because I'm supplying it too. And the more they right. pay, the more I will sing. <laughs> oh, wait. So anyway, I, you know, I, again, just, just to be really clear, I have no problem with people who do Patreon. 
do what you like. And I have no problem with people who want to pay to the Patreon and as a way of thanking the people. That's good, too. Everybody have fun. But I, I think uh, from my perspective, as long as I'm doing the show, this will be a free show. If it ever got to the point where we're charging for it, then I'm going to say, thank you, guys. I'm retiring. Right. No, I, <clears throat> I agree with you. I've, uh, I've, we, we've had this, dis- you know, and by we, I mean, you know, the network have had this discussion many times. And, uh, and despite all the, you know, there's a lot of positives. There's a lot of upsides and everything. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've always resisted that because to me it, it does. It feels like a be- it becomes a begathon, or at least that's how I feel. And again, you know, as you said, you know, nothing to, you know, nothing against the podcasts that, that do it because, you know, a lot of times those other podcasts, um, they either really need it, you know, in order to, you know, to literally keep the lights on, um, or, you know, the bonus content that they put out there is, is more than worth, you know, the, the money that I won't say that they charge, but that they ask for, you know, that they're, that they're seeking. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, it, it comes down to a, to a personal decision really. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, beg- it's, it's all good. Begathon. Was that in, um, an unheard of transformer? <laughs> no, that was Begatron. <laughs> oh, Begatron. Oh, okay. John, please. I don't know why he's suddenly slightly English. I don't know. Yeah, I was you wondering, but I've, I've, I've never been enough they, of a Transformers fan to know that that wasn't accurate. <laughs> they run on they run on electricity, so would it be ohms for the poor? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? We we are officially becoming. I don't know the... what you're talking about. <laughs> We're becoming the dad joke podcast. <laughs> and you know what? If you subscribe to Patreon now, we'll edit these jokes out. <laughs> uh, so we are today. We're going to take a look at the book we did not get a chance to do uh, when we last recorded, because we did a Marvel of DC, and then it was getting late, and I was getting sleepy. So uh, we called it a night, and here we are. We're going to just take a look at the independent that I had picked for that day, which is Jigsaw, Man of a Thousand Parts, number one. (laughs) So according to Mike's Amazing World, the cover date on this is September of 1966, and it was on sale June 15th of 1966. According to Wikipedia... Uh, Harvey developed a short-lived superhero line, Harvey Thriller, and Jigsaw was part of that. He was a disconnectable man of a thousand parts. The feature was drawn by Tony Tallarico, with the writing generally, if uncomfortably, credited to Otto Binder. The backup features were Super Luck in issue number one, Artist Unknown, and The Man from SRAM, art by Golden Age veteran Charles Fufer in issue number two. The first, first issue also featured an anthological science fiction story drawn by EC Comics great Reed Crandall. Work for the third issue may exist, but was never published. The story involves astronaut Gary Jason, who was accidentally killed and then put together 
by the aliens from the cage pilot of Star Trek, who turn him into a living jigsaw puzzle and inform him that he will be their space agent. In his new form, Jigsaw can stretch his parts similar to popular quality comics character Plastic Man. So he's not really a jigsaw man. He's kind of a stretchy man. And it's funny because in a recent uh, Thing Hulk retrospective episode, we were talking about how Mr. Fantastic's got a little bit of an ego for so many somebody who there are so many superheroes who have similar powers to him that he gives himself the name Mr. Fantastic. But Jigsaw Man seems to be a misnomer also. I think the name is more based on the costume that they gave him, which you know, is made up with little pieces that look, you know, inter, uh, interlocking like a jigsaw, like jigsaw puzzle pieces. And my understanding is this was actually, to some extent, ex- inspired, uh, not this particular book, but just the whole Harvey Thriller line, uh, by the resurgence of comic book popularity as a result of the Batman TV series. Uh, okay. So this was created by uh, Joe Simon, I believe. You know, it was eventually followed up with his, uh, I can't think, oh, right. Brother, Pow- Brother Power the Geek. Brother, uh, oh, Brother Power, okay, yeah. yeah. So, you know, this, 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 is, this is probably similarly uh, conceived, like, yeah, let's just do this. So the cover has a, a blue background, and it's taking place what looks to be like in a ditch where a circus train has crashed. Uh, releasing the circus animals, and then Jigsaw Man, again, with his uh, interlocking multicolored outfit and stretchy powers, is opening up a cage with one hand, using his leg to wrap around a gorilla, which he's putting into the cage, using his other arm to lift a lion up in the air, and then in the background we see uh, what looks to be another gorilla uh, who looks to be wearing a... uh, a loincloth, and uh, an elephant. And there are two law enforcement people there saying, don't shoot, Sam. That thing's trying to help us. He's corralling the animals. But it's not human. It might turn on us next. Just look at it. It's a jigsaw man. (laughs) And then the the, the bubble says, don't laugh at the jigsaw man. His mechanical parts make him the greatest crime fighter on Earth. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so uh, now I, I read this a couple of weeks ago in an, <laughs> because we were going to do it in the last show. Uh, the splash page is showing a similar scene from a different angle, you know, basically showing the same image. And the narration says a bizarre hand of fate had cast Colonel Gary Jason ahead a in, a head in space exploration 100 years, half human, half alien in his body chemistry. He has a mortal. T- he was a mortal torn between two worlds, and and somehow, some way, he must make the decision: remain on Earth or live with them. So I'm picturing like the oh. giant ants when you say that. Torn between two worlds. <laughs> Gary Jason's a jigsaw man. Um, I don't have any more words, so get on with the Paul. Okay. So the story opens up, Chapter 1, A Nightmare in Space, and Jason is in a, uh, in his, in a spacecraft that's uh, is that like a Mercury or- orbiting the Earth. What is that? That's what, is what it looks mean? like. It's got it's an awful you- lot of room inside that capsule. 
he's orbiting the Earth when suddenly, over a remote area of Siberia, uh, the craft is on a collision course with debris from Earth somehow. Uh, says uh, there's somehow the raptures of space are causing him problems. Will bring you down on your next pass, and uh, he can't help it. And all of the uh, all the debris, which includes a lot of rocks. A, tr- a couple of trees, and it looks like a bear. <laughs> I was just I'm eating. A bear. <laughs> what the bear? So, so uh, they they crash into a ship, and a tree, a very large tree, as best as I can tell, actually pierces through the capsule, uh, which sends Gary into the vacuum of space. But his body does not explode, for there is oxygen in the mystery shaft of debris. And then they go into a crater on the moon uh, where they're greeted by some really weird-looking, almost robotic uh, aliens. Who? Well, who him, f- him and the bear. Yeah, the bear is still in there, I, yes. I have they, given these aliens a name. They are ahead. the non-peripherals, as mm. they... I, I don't see how they can really see anything out of those weird cone <laughs> of shame uh, uh, things around their necks. I really don't. I, I don't see how they. How can they see to eat? <laughs> <laughs> they would be really easy to sneak up on. I'm thinking. Yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of cheesy looking, quite frankly. Uh Sorry, Paul. You knew this was going to happen. You yeah, I did. I, absolutely, I did. That's what. That's one of the reasons I picked this book. Anyway, but so they. That bear. I don't, yeah, don't, I don't think we see the bear again. Story. But you know what? If I were to continue bear? this, oh, if I were to continue writing this, too? that's oh, what I would do. Oh my God, he's got bear pieces in him. Oh my that God. Yeah, yeah, you know he he could be he could be the bad guy. You know, like like you come you you have a, a jigsaw action oh. figure. You know. And then you get the the bear could be the could be the enemy, you know. So it'd be like, uh, yeah, like Buzzsaw. Stretch Armstrong. And then you had like the the weird like Maybe that creature from the Black looking stretchy guy. So yeah, see, we could we could create a whole toy line with this guy. Oh, definitely. I definitely. If this series went on and I was writing it, I would definitely have that bear rear its head again. <laughs> Anyway, so the aliens come across his body. They said, life still ebbs, but feebly. So he's still technically, I guess, alive. All joints are dislocated, bones broken throughout. And Wait, are, you, are you saying he's a man barely alive? I am. That's not only, not only a, uh, a pun, but also relates us to the $6 million man. Which was a strong vibe I got from this. Um... Well, this is way before that, though. Yeah, maybe I, maybe the, maybe, maybe the six million dollar man creators, well, which is based on a book called Cyborg, I believe. Uh, yes, but maybe the writer of Cyborg read this comic. Anyway, it, it could absolutely be. They say I, they, I got, they can rebuild him. They can make him better, stronger, faster. So the bear could end up being the the Bigfoot of this series. So you have Andre the Giant play him. <laughs> So they uh, they place a brain decoder on his head to see what they've lured to their moon base, and they see that he has a loved one. They see him doing his job. They see him in his home life, 
and they recreate him as a jigsaw man. <laughs> I don't really get that. But again, he's like the aliens of Talos, whatever. Exactly. Those guys suck. They could have <laughs> really well, learned I, from these from the from the non peripherals. I always come back to that and you know, I know we're just tangenting all over the place, but I always come back to that to to say those aliens had normal humanoid bodies, they just had different kinds of heads with the big butts on the back and everything. Uh <laughs> but when they recreated her, they didn't create her with a normal – wouldn't they have used their own bodies as a template that this is the way the body should go? No, no, no. No, you got to put the hump on her back. <laughs> it's like, what the hell were they thinking? Oh, that's because that's what they were trying to make it look like she had because they couldn't put the the ass on the back of her head. They put it on her back. I ass guess. back. So then, then he, he he's in his, in his big jigsaw suit and he wakes up and uh, – he has to say, well, I can't thank you enough. Take my hand. It is a token of earth friendship. And then he reaches out and his arm stretches. Ah, a reaction oh from the God. operation. So they, they explain to him that he's got these powers and that they that they want to, you know, they don't want to create enemies on earth and they're going to send him home. Uh, but he, he's, he, you know, you have the moment of angst. I am a freak, a jigsaw. But he doesn't come apart, so I don't really don't understand why he's a jigsaw. So then we come to chapter two, which is a puzzle for jigsaw, and the spa the ship is uh, burning up in reentry, and it lands in the water where they come on with a helicopter to recover him, and he reaches up with his jigsaw arm, and they think he's just a strange creature, and he ends up having to fight the soldiers in the helicopter, but then they land at his house. <laughs> no reason to take him to NASA or something like that and figure out what's going on. Let's just take him to his home. Or actually, no, he excuse me. He he gets no, he, he gets, took over the hel helicopter. He took over the helicopter and he he throws them all out with parachutes and then he lands it at his home, where where his his neighbor or friend is sitting. Science writer. Yeah, he's sitting outside with a computer desk and a little table and a typewriter writing his science writing. So Martin he, oh, that's young Martin Caden. Yeah, he, that's he, ex he explains he needs to go uh, to see Betty first, so he borrows the guy's car and he goes to see her, and she's just out cutting roses because that's what you do. And he takes her for a ride, and they see the the train crash that we experienced on the cover he jumps out and he starts using his jigsaw powers so it's before he could tell her what went on with him he has to actually show her so she responds by saying eek and he he wanders off I just off. hear the whole Johnny Quest music in this whole sequence you know the the opening theme music from yeah. the original yeah I think that works very well Oh, the art. The art is very Johnny Quest, especially yeah. on this page. Martin Caden wrote Cyborg in 1972. Yes, yeah, so that's six it years later. Published. published. Published, but still six years later. So he could have read this comic. So he, he walks off because he's all upset. Now we get the Lonely, Land, Lonely Man music as he's leaving because Betty yelled out eek. So he doesn't bother I'm, to try and explain to her what's going on. And I'm he gets caught in a... I'm just a jigsaw man. He gets caught in a tractor beam, and he's being brought up, I guess, to the 
aliens again as we end part two. We go to part three, which is Space Agent to the Stars. And he is brought back to the aliens. Uh, C. Krell. I don't know how you can even tell the difference between these two guys. Uh, but he explains to him that there are inhabitants of the Milky Way galaxy. Or excuse me. Uh, you're going to show you the horrors that of the... I want your eyes to see the horror that other inhabitants of the Milky Way galaxy have known. And they show him horror, yes. Basically a, a race that is looking to, to dominate all species. They give him a partner, Zilla, who is a attractive female. Uh, well, of course she who, who apparently does not have uh, jigsaw powers for some reason. And they land where the uh, the marauders are and they're all humanoid also and he punches one in the face with a zock and he chokes another one to take a key to a uh, I guess to the security system they move their way into the system and they find a way to blow up their craft and then him and uh, the chick go back to the to the aliens and the alien says uh, without power they cannot turn on their anti-spacecraft rays upon us you have made my first dent in plutonian armor earthman and uh, he says he's a hero we will accomplish much in space but part of the problem of jigsaw man of a thousand parts are far from over get with him in his next as, as he meets his match in the next big issue so, yeah, there was one more issue, well, and well, as I not... said in the original thing, there there may have been a third issue that was worked on. What were you saying? I don't think you're pronouncing. I, I don't think you're pronouncing the name of that planet correctly, because you said like plutonium, but it's actually uh... <laughs> they call them the pullout. Yeah, I think you're right. It's plutonium. Pullout. Pullout. I think. Palladians, yeah, no, pull out no. too soon. <laughs> but I'm fine. <laughs> I'm just reading what's on the page, man. Me too. So, so that's our adventure. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, you know, it's just, it seems to me like Stanley in the '60s decided I'm going to try and mature comics up a bit. And you know what? Let me let me give credit where it's due. Stan Lee, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko, even Don Heck. I think they all had a hand in it. I think they all tried to bring comics up to a higher level. And DC Comics probably took about ten, close to 10 years before they really started to adopt that as well. And then every upstart company that seemed to come along was producing comics that still would have been in line with what was coming out in the 50s, except, you know, if, if you don't count, like, the eerie books and all of that. But as far right. as superhero line, lines, they were all, you know, very simplistic, very cookie-cutter in, in their own way. Uh, and this, this right. seems to fall right in line with that. I, I don't think you had an upstart company that truly tried to, to embrace that until atlas tried it and atlas i don't think had a really good marketing plan i don't think it had a good business plan and i think that's why it failed but atlas at least tried 
Right. Uh, so, you know, that's know, the way I see these. This, have you read any of this other one called The Piranha? Did that ever actually come out? I mean, I, because I've never, it did. I've, I've never tracked, seen it. I actually tracked down this uh, Thrillerama number, whatever it is, number two, number whatever, whatever his first appearance is. I actually, I didn't read it yet, um, but I did track it down and kind of thumb through it. Cause just because I was intrigued by the fact that they call him, uh, he had some billing here. What was it? Deadliest creature in all the world. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, I wanted to, to, you know, to just kind of check him out a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Um, he's, he's a much wackier character than Jigsaw. The thing is with this, um, yeah, it, it's goofy. It's, it's not great, but I, I, you know, just judging a book by its cover, as soon as I saw this cover that to the book that Paul had picked, I was like, oh, God. But, you know, the funny thing with this is I see the potential in it. It's not good. It's, it's fraught with problems. But I see this more as a missed opportunity type of thing than I see as something that's just like pure crap. Because it, it's, it's got a lot of great ideas because two ideas struck me right out of the gate. The one was what we already touched on, the $6 million man. You've got an astronaut who suffers a horrible accident, is put back together, and is you know a, a superhero because of the, the new parts he's been given. That's the $6 million man in a nutshell right there. Mm -hmm. But then there's also the aspect of abducted by aliens and given a mission a guy goes out and becomes a superhero who does that sound like gary that seven sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like uh you know the, the greatest american hero so you know he's got he's got ancestry you know that that, that kind of relates him to both of those really cool characters it's what's done with it that's the shame because you know here he is with this really goofy outfit um, that that looks like it's all made up of puzzle pieces. So and that you know that coupled with the fact that his name is Jigsaw, and the the subtitle Man of a Thousand Parts. I, I'm thinking this guy is going to be more like uh, like a bionic version of uh, of uh, God. What's the character's name? Um, Inspector Gadget. You know where he he's going to have all kinds of different parts that do different things. But in the end of it, what is his gimmick? He's a stretchy guy. Whoopty shit. You know, there's umpteen other stretchy guys already out there. So that that's the biggest shame with this character is that they don't do anything with him being the jigsaw thing never plays into it at all. Really. Because I mean jigsaw puzzles don't stretch. So why make him a jigsaw man and give him a jigsaw name and outfit? And then just make him stretch. I, that was the biggest mystery of this book to me uh, of all. And, it, and it's a real shame because he ha actually has potential. Um, I, I think, th you know, the, the two biggest things that they would need to do is give him more powers beyond just the stretching thing. Maybe even abandon the stretching thing and concentrate more on him uh, having, you know, gadgets to go with you know, the, the jigsaw pieces of his body, but then also change that god-awful outfit. His his outfit is just flat ridiculous. He, he looks so silly in, in literally he's just wearing a, a jigsaw puzzle 
Uh, it almost looks like he's wearing a, a leotard instead of that being his body. It looks like he's wearing a, a jigsaw puzzle themed bodysuit instead of that actually being his body. Looks so, like that. Um, yeah. You know what he looks like? That. Uh, oh, I can't remember what. It wasn't Saturday morning, but it was like educational TV. The guy that had the suit that looked like the human body. Oh yeah. Um. Oh God, what was that guy's name? Yeah, I know exactly who you who you mean. That's what it looks like. Yeah. What was that guy's name? I don't know, but it was creepy. <laughs> yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about. I can't think of his name. Uh, but I don't even remember if it was was it on like was it on the it, it wasn't on the electric company was it no. No, I think it was later than that. I think it was. I I just don't remember what show it was. Was was he called Mister Body? Maybe. I, I know exactly what. I you're have talking no about. memory at all of that. You have no memory. Well, it might have been out of like it was just at the edges of our cartoon. I think. Uh, I might have been in my twenties. Watch. Yeah, I think it would have been past. Uh, see now it's gonna bug me all day what that guy was called. Let's see if I can find something. Mr. Slim Goodbody. Slim Goodbody. That was his name. Never what was it on? Uh, hang on, I'm trying to look it up here. Um. Oh God, that's a scary. You gotta look that up, Paul. Hang on, I'm trying to look it up. 1979. Each costume cost four thousand dollars. Yeah, oh, by, I, I by 1979, I was you know I was well into high school. <laughs> so it was a character. Was it? What? See, I'm thinking I saw it on a show, but maybe he it was a show or like. Uh... Huh. So Slim Goodbody, also known as Mr. Goodbody, is a fictional character created and performed by John Bernstein. So Bernstein created the character in 1975. He performs wearing a sometimes white, sometimes peach colored unitard with various <laughs> tissues, organs, <laughs> with various tissues, organs, and organ systems painted in biologically accurate locations and sizes. Each costume costs four thousand bucks. Captain Kangaroo. He grew up Is in Mineola, New York. That's about 10, 15 minutes from me. Body eventually received his own television series in 1980, Inside Story. That's what it was on PBS. That's I think I saw him on Captain yeah. Kangaroo. I think because I used to watch that. Yeah. Well, it says he made all kinds of guest appearances on, uh, like, what was it, like the Today Show or so. Yeah, Good Morning. Yeah, Today Show and Good Morning America, Nickelodeon. So yeah, he, he was in a commercial in nineteen in 2014. Slim guy appeared in a, in a Radio Shack commercial advertisement. Huh. Yeah, I definitely remember During the Super Bowl. Couldn't remember his name. Yeah, Slim Goodbody. Sure God, enough, I feel like such a loser pulling that out of my head. <laughs> I'm thinking I, you're a loser. Oh, I, I mean, uh, yeah. What you're talking about? Well, I'm glad I somebody knew that I that I wasn't crazy. Man, look at that hair too. <laughs> Slim good body. Oh, they show him like an older like him now, because I guess he's still alive. He's like uh he's like old man Slim Goodbody. He's still doing it? Uh, there's this 
there's a shot there of him like probably he looks like he's in his like his sixties. Like if you go to images and you click the first yeah, one, yeah, I, I did, I did see that. It says it's on Twitter. Slim Goodbody is alive and well. <laughs> yeah, I think it is the same dude. <laughs> and scary that's, children everywhere. That's kind of pathetic. I'm sorry. <laughs> Tell scary. me, man. The first time I saw this, so yeah, I knew when I saw the jigsaw suit that it reminded me of something, and I couldn't think of it until now. I'm looking like, at the uh, I'm looking at the older picture of him and the intestines. It looks like he's digested it and ready to expel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is scary. All right, that so, should be my Halloween costume. I think it should. I think if, body. if you could find that and and go from door to door. Halloween, that would be hysterical. <laughs> Just imagine people's reactions. <laughs> I, 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 could, I would frankly be shocked if anyone opened their door. <laughs> you know, I always, I, the, some of the costumes, I, you know, going to uh, different, like, conventions and seeing people cosplay some of my favorite cosplays are when people take two different properties and mash them together i would love to see a mashup of slim goodbody and slim whitman i think that would be absolutely <laughs> so you just put on that outfit and yodel <laughs> with the mustache and everything yeah and, the, and like a cowboy hat oh <laughs> uh, so i tell you what if 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 somebody wants to get a suit for me, I'll do it. <laughs> Slim whip body. There you go. Slim whip body. <laughs> oh, wait. I could be Bill Do Body, and I could have, like, all the ravages of diabetes, and I'll have all these messed up organs, and, you know, teeny tiny little veins because of, you know, because I'm having headaches because of caffeine, and... You know, I'll have clogged arteries and <laughs> build new body. Build new body. That's great. <laughs> There's a character for Mark Allenbach to draw. <laughs> build new body. Or, or uh, Chris can just Photoshop it. <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure Chris could take that that photo of uh, older Slim Goodbody and Photoshop your face onto it real easy. So let's 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 rate Jigsaw. No <laughs> let's let's get back to Jigsaw. Let's rate it. So the cover, uh, again, I think it's kind of typical for the upstart superhero line books of the era, um, but it's nothing special. It doesn't really. I mean, it does tell you what you're going to see inside. So I give it credit for that. And if I was between eight and ten, I think this that would appeal to me. Uh, I think older than that, you're starting to get a little bit more discerning, and it's probably not going to be your cup of tea. Uh, but I think it's going to appeal to the audience they were trying to appeal to for exactly that reason. 
So I'm going to say a C because it accomplishes what I think they're trying to accomplish. The interior art is, I hate that I feel like I overuse this word, but it's just kind of pedestrian. It's just, you know, it, it, te it tells the story, but it doesn't really do a hell of a lot more than that. There's nothing really dynamic about it. Uh, the character models are, the, ca the, the character models of the non-regular humans are kind of uninspired. And the regular humans are, you know, they're nothing special either. They just kind of, kind of look very generic. So I'm going to say a C- minus on the interior art because I think it could use a lot of improvement. And the story, it's dopey. Uh, and I don't think it's in any way special, but I think you've kind of convinced me, Scott, when you talk about it having the germ of an idea that could be good, that there's some things in there that could make it fun. Uh, I'm going to pump, bump it up slightly because of that. I, I think I would, would have given it a C, but I'm going to give it a C plus because there are good ideas in somewhere contained in there. Uh, and overall, I'll just give the book a C. Okay. Uh, I got some. Uh, I got some adjectives for you for pedestrian, if you'd like them. <laughs> Dull, um, plodding, boring, tedious, monotonous, uneventful, unremarkable, tiresome, wearisome, uninspired, uncreative, unimaginative, unexciting, uninteresting, lifeless, dry, unvarying, unvaried, repetitive, re uh, routine, commonplace, average. Working day, ordinary, everyday, unoriginal, derivative, mediocre, run-of-the-mill, flat, prosaic, matter-of-fact, turgid, stodgy, mundane, humdrum, okay, so-so, bog-standard, vanilla, plain vanilla. All right, Bill, right home Bill, about. Bill. What? This is what I'm going to cut out if they give money to us through Patreon. See, it's funny that those are that those are. Uh, God, it's too early synonyms because it just. I don't know. I don't. I don't think of pedestrian that. I think of pedestrian as passable. Would be is that is that one of your words? Nope. That's funny. <laughs> of all the words the, the he said, that is not one. <laughs> yeah, well, it's funny because the the words he was he was giving were I, I think more critical than than i think oh god that's a horrifying image where the hell did you find and that that came from the mr slim yeah. body uh images that looks more like that looks more like frank from hellraiser yeah actually it does it looks like that what's that thing that tours around the the art thing that tours around where it has the skinless people that's that's what that looks like. that's with real people Ugh. Like people from China that they cut up for that thing. <laughs> That's that was Joan Rivers you're talking about. No. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna go ahead and grade this one. Um, cover, yeah, it's uh, it is un uninspiring. It's very. Uh, would you say pedestrian? But yeah, it is. It's pedestrian. What's funny is on a quick glance, that cage at the bottom of the page that looks like he's trying to put the gorilla into actually looks like a shopping cart to me. Just on a quick glance, it's funny. But yeah, it, I think it's 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 his ridiculous outfit. Um, it's the way he's stretching out, and he looks like a Stretch Armstrong to me. And it's the art style that all comes together. 
I I had to look it up because I thought that this might be um, a comic inspired by a cartoon because it, it looks uh, you know Bill mentioned Johnny Quest it looks very Johnny Quest to me and I'm sorry Johnny Quest never appealed to me at all as a kid uh, e- even now it just it has you you talk about pedestrian I always thought that was a very pedestrian looking cartoon and it just had a very bland art style and everything. That's kind of what this is. It's 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 passable, but it's bland. It just doesn't really call out to me at all. Um, and as I say, looking at this cover, I'd never seen this before. So looking at this cover to see what book Paul had picked, I just looked at it and said, oh, God. Um, so, yeah, the cover does really nothing for me at all. I'm actually going to say like a C- minus on the cover because I – I can't imagine even as a kid that this would be something that I'd be like, Ooh, I got to check this out. And I don't think you do yourself any favors in your debut issue. When on the cover, you tell your audience not to laugh at your creation, that you're drawing attention to the fact that what you've drawn is ridiculous. Cause that's, that's the first thing it says. Don't laugh at the jigsaw man. Well, yeah, I am. Cause he looks, he looks ridiculous. Um, but that said, the I'm laughing art. at the superior intellect. <laughs> yeah, the interior art, eh, you know, it, it's it's passable. It you know, it tells the story. That's about the kindest thing I could say about it. Um, again, uh, it's very indie of its time. It, it's not even up to like Charlton standards, which is <laughs> that's pretty harsh criticism. But it, it's just it's boring. It, it does the job. It tells the story, but there's nothing inspiring about it. There's, there's, I don't see a single page or panel where I'm like, oh, that's that's cool or that's exciting or you know what a great angle or so, no, there's nothing. It just it's so blah. Um, so yeah, the uh, the interior art again. I think I'm gonna go a a C minus, and that's probably being generous because it's just. It just doesn't do anything. It just tells the story very blandly. Um, where this has the potential, though, is uh, the story. Now, the story, as it's told, is silly. And in light of later things, like the $6 million man and like Greatest American Hero and, and some other things it reminded me of, um, it seems now... Um, derivative but it's not i mean it came before all of those things so what it really is is it's just it's a bag of missed opportunities because there's a lot of ingredients here that could have come together to be something really cool because other creators would take these same ideas and do really interesting things with them so it has a lot of potential uh so that's why i'll I'll, I'll give it a slightly higher grade on the story but the story as told is eh, it's pretty silly um so I, I'm going to say I'll say a C plus on the story just for the potential it has, not necessarily the story it really tells, because the story it really tells is eh, it, it's pretty standard fare, really. So an overall grade for the book, I'll be very generous and say a middle of the road C, but it's probably lower down than that, you know, honestly. But uh I, I was just struck by the fact that it wasn't pure crap like most of the of the stuff that Paul makes me <laughs> review when he brings an indie to the book, so or to the show, I should say. So there you go. See, it's a C book. 
But it makes was my fun. heart sing that you think so highly of them. <laughs> so I'm going to point out something on the cover that I think is uh, a nice touch. And it tries to continue the art. Um, uh, what I'm saying uh, further in, in the book, but doesn't succeed, but, but tries to. So you notice that on his body, the parts that there's like tendons, there's yellow tendons. Yeah. On the, those parts do seem to interlock. And then when they stretch apart and separate, there's the tendons. And I believe that's mentioned in the story about his tendons. So that's interesting that they show that on the cover. They do try to maintain that further through the art in the book, but not to the detail that they do it here. Because here it's like they took a lot of time to show this interlocking uh, with the parts. Because you can see it on the leg that's wrapped around the gorilla, especially the one that comes to us there. You know, you can see the where those parts mesh, and then there's this, you know, Laffy Taffy in between. Um <laughs> East section. Um, I'm not sure why there's a uh, either a man in a gorilla suit with a club or a gorilla with a loincloth with a club beating an elephant in the background. <laughs> yeah, I mentioned why that. Not? I mentioned that also. I, I, I just couldn't figure out what that is. Yeah, uh, and the police seems to have no compunction with that going on over there. <laughs> no, look at that other guy. Closer to the. <laughs> Holy crap, look at that guy. Is that a gorilla in a, in a loincloth? Ah, look at that guy. Uh, so I'm going to give the cover... I, you know what? I think I'm going to give the cover a B. Just because uh, of the nice little art touch, uh, the gorilla with the club. Um, uh, I I like the cover. Uh, the the interior art, yeah, it's all right. It's, it's okay. Wait, 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 so, wait, 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 wait. You're giving it a B because there's something on there that we can't figure out why it's there. I like it. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, that's it. So, you know, you, you always – you you can give whatever grade you choose to give. I don't really have an issue with that. I just think your explanation of it I find amusing. Yeah, you know, I'm looking at this whole cover. In the background, there's a thing that's about maybe half an inch in size. It, it that... drew me in, and it has piqued my interest. Isn't that what a cover does, draws you – Hey, what's the, wow, what's, what is, you know what, I might want to buy this book. And okay. I think this cover does that. Okay, I apologize for criticizing your logic. <laughs> say it made any sense to you. Makes sense to me. It's Bill Logic. 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 Blah. So Blah. The, in <laughs> the interior art, you know, eh, it's all right. I love the name of the aliens. The non-peripherals. <laughs> um, uh, the interior art, I'll give it a... I'll just give it a C. And the story, I will give that also for its, you know, it's it's for the shape of things to come that maybe could have come from the story or stories like it, I will give the story a... Uh, a C plus to a B minus. So look at that. It's 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 a C plus book. Almost okay. a B minus. If you say so. All right. 
So that's the only book we have to cover today. <laughs> oh, wait, we're not covering Superluck? No. America's Secret Comic Agent? You're welcome to describe that to whatever extent you feel like if you really want. Or that other goofy story at the end about the aliens uh, selling each other stuff. They're not aliens, but then the guy's wife is an alien. Oh, shocker. All right, so now you've described them. (laughs) Yeah. Who's the artist on that second story? Do we know? The second or the last story? The last story. I don't know. It looks familiar. I thought Superluck was an advertisement, but no, you, I guess you're. I guess you're right. I guess it is a story. I, I I skipped right over it. I thought it was an ad. I think that that the third story is Reed Crandall, who's like an EC Comics guy. Yeah, it, it has a real EC feel to it. That's why I was wondering. Yeah, it it looked slightly familiar. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. It's all right. Yeah, uh, that's. I think that's as good as we can say about it. <laughs> uh, so, are we calling it, or did you have anything else you wanted to discuss? Uh, how are we doing on time? Uh, I think we. I think we have long enough to have a show. But if you want to say something, feel free. That's all right. I'll save it. For, I'll save it for another episode. Okay. Oh, wait. Right, so then, then it gives me a chance to have breakfast this morning. <laughs> Before I get to start running well, wait, around. I was going to say something. Go ahead. Say something. Where are you guys going? <laughs> what were you going to do? Real quick. I watched um, the first two episodes of Swamp Thing. Uh, I know it's been out on the, the DC app, but I didn't have the DC app, so I didn't watch it on the DC app. So it's been on CW. Um, I know, uh, Scott, you said you watched the first episode and you couldn't really get into it. Uh, I watched it. It's it's okay. Uh, I have an interest because I recognize some names and I don't have a lot of preconceived notion. The only preconceived notions I have are mainly from the movie because, you know, we just covered Swamp Thing n- number one. And I am seeing some of the similarities in, in the show. But you but you said you were like a little lost by it. I'm just curious as to, you know, what what you had an issue with it. I- or you don't even really if, remember. If I said that I watched it, then I then I misspoke because I I so here I'm just going to be full confession. I downloaded it to check it out, and I kind of like skimmed through it. I did not fully watch it, but I just kind of you know skipped through it to see okay what does it look like you know what are the production qualities of it, and you know does it follow the the comic book story. And I was able to glean enough of it that I it didn't look to me like it was following the comic origin of the character or anything. It kind of looked like it was off doing its own thing. And so I was just like, nah, I'm not interested. So, I mean, if, if you found differently from actually watching it, then, you know, then maybe it'd be something I, I would give a second look. Because I was just noticing the other day some new service that we got. Maybe it was HBO, HBO Max. Max. Yeah, I think that was it. Because we got it free for something i don't know box tops or some damn thing i don't know but we got we suddenly we have a free subscription to uh to hbo max and i think i I think that's where i saw that it was listed amongst there's a whole bunch of dc stuff that i suddenly have access to and i think that was one of them so like i say if 
you if you found a different you know a, a you know had a different experience then maybe i'll go back and, and take a you know a longer look at it but just you know on a glance because somebody i want to say it was chris honeywell but i forget but somebody had recommended it to me like hey you need to check this out and so i thought okay i'll check it out and i i checked it out enough to be like nah, i don't think i want to watch that but um, you know, full confession, up until Stargirl, I've been pretty dismissive of, of pretty much anything DC's been doing um, in their live action stuff, because I, I just, I don't like their take. I don't like what they're doing. Everything's everything's the, the, the Dark Knight model. Everything's got to be dark. Everything's got to be twisted and, and, you know, just, I, I just don't like that i i think of dc as the light side you know and so to see so much so many of their things given this real dark take um I, it, it just it's off-putting to me but swamp thing i mean kind of lends itself to that to say, so. yeah that's you can't yeah well it it is a little dark there's uh the character uh madame xanadu is in there um oh wow yeah, she's in. She's kind of featured in passing in the first episode, but she pops up more in, in the second. Um, like there's some name dropping that I figure like some I'm I I recognize and others you having read the book books would probably pick up more on. Um, so, right. not that you're a moron. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, now I do know that it was I. I believe it was only one season, and I think it's because of the expense of the episodes, uh, because it's a lot of it's in a swamp. And obviously it's I don't think it I don't I doubt it's on location, but if it's not, it's a huge freaking they really recreate recreate a swamp (laughs) to a lot of detail. Filmed on location in the swamp, in the swamp. So um, now there's, there's a lot of things edited out because well, you you can see where there's f bombs and stuff, but you got to remember this was originally on a streaming service, so they've had to kind of clean it up, and you can see where some gore or scenes are potentially kind of edited over so that things don't happen. Now, like I said, I or at least I believe I said there's only one season, so I don't know if it ends on a cliffhanger or what. But you don't even see Swamp Thing until the end of the first episode, so there's a little bit buildup of of tension. Uh, his origin is slightly different, but it is Alec Holland. Um, and there's in second episode, there's a pretty interesting scene of where he's coming to grips with what he is and he's tearing at his body and he's like ripping out chunks of his body and then it's starting to grow back as soon as he does it. So it was, I, I, you might want to give it a second, a second look and pay attention this time. (laughs) Yes, sir. So that's all I wanted to say. Okay. All right. Yeah, maybe I, maybe I will. Maybe I'll go give it another look. I have uh, I have been watching some DC. I've been watching, and it, I mean it's been slow. It's uh, you know it's one of these you know catch as catch can. And a lot of times I'll watch it like you know when I'm having breakfast or, or a lunch or something like that when I can get control of the television. Um, I've been watching Young Justice, and I know I watched the entire first season before but i had real spotty memories of it 
and I was aware that it got a second season at some point. I don't think I ever watched any of the second season, but that it's actually gotten three seasons because after the second season, um, whatever it was on, I think it was on like Cartoon Network or something. It went away from that, and then quite a ways later, it ended up getting picked up by somebody else that gave it a, a third season. And I've heard really good things. Um, and I, I always wanted to go back and, and watch the second season. So I just decided to you know start all over again and go back and watch it from the very beginning. And I'm struck by what a good show it is. It, it's really good. It's a, it's a really good representation of uh, the DC universe because while it is focused on the young justice team you know in the core of that team you know being the young heroes it's kind of a it's kind of teen titans really um like the later teen titans with jeff johns um it does pull in and use uh, a lot of other characters from the dc universe so it has kind of a, a justice league unlimited feel to it as well and uh, I've been digging it. It's 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 good stuff. So that's that's kind of what I've been watching lately, as far as uh, anything superhero-y or comic book related. Oh, so if you didn't know, the girl that's in Swamp Thing, I couldn't. I was like, wow, she really looks familiar. She is the uh, actress that played Sophia Sophia Fal- Falcone in Gotham. And I, I don't think you've watched Gotham. No. Which, no. after the first first into the middle of the second season, I think it really gets better. And if you, I, I know you have issues with it, but uh, I enjoyed all of Gotham. So. Well, my, I, my I, only issue with it, honestly, is the timeline. I don't understand I, yes, how, that's, that's, how all of Gotham could be riddled with all of the same villains that Batman would eventually face before Batman even makes the scene, because then by the time Batman comes along, he's going to be beaten on elderly people. That just doesn't seem I don't know, yeah. it's bizarre can, to me. can explain it away with multiverse. Although, I, I started watching it when it first came on, and I watched, I think, two or three seasons. But I, I what Scott says is a big reason for it. But there were other things about it that just made me lose interest in it. It just felt like, you know, it felt like it was meandering at times. Quite frankly, like like it's like just get to it already. I don't know. I have a, a big problem. I've got a big problem with the Smallville model, which is, seems like that's what shows like Gotham are doing is the Smallville model, which is with, with Smallville. I had the distinct impression that it was that they looked at Superman as silly, that they they wanted to do Superman but they didn't want to silly it up with the costume and calling him Superman or Superboy. So they were trying to do it not not like real like Dark Knight real world, but they were trying to do it a little more real world where he's got the costumes, but he doesn't have the or excuse me, the powers, right? He's got the powers, but he doesn't have the silly costume and the silly name and oh, I hate that. I, I you know I think the the Marvel movies have really shown that you can embrace the silly. You you can make it work, even incorporating some of the sillier aspects. And I mean, in, with a lot of these heroes, you know, what's sillier than their costumes? A lot of times, 
but you can make that stuff work. And sometimes the, the silly will actually work in your favor if you play it the right way. And I don't know, with me just looking at Superman as, as the big dog, you know, as the top guy, I, I, I resent that. I resent that, that attitude of, well, you know, you, you just can't do Superman modern day because he's just too silly. So, you know, let's do it, but but take the Superman out of it. And I don't know, I, th- that's why Smallville always really bothered me. I mean, that show ran for what, like 9, 10, 12 seasons, something like that, and never had him in the freaking costume. I mean, I'm not, no, I'm not, after the first season, I was like putting in the costume. You know, that that was as much as I was willing to give that show was a season. And when it, when it became apparent that for whatever reason, they just weren't going to go that route. I, I was done. I'm like, no, I, I have no time for, you know, if, if you don't believe in your character enough to put him in the proper outfit, then why, why are you doing this? So, but you know, you, you, you brought up or you got me talking about Superman. So I'm going to, I will talk about something that uh, I was going to bring to the show. So while, uh, I was up in Georgia recently. We were up there the past for the past week. My wife and I we were up visiting family. All of uh, you know her folks and my folks. They all live up in in Georgia in various places. So we were up there for a week. And while we were up there, um, we got to spend a lot of time with our great nephew. It's my wife's niece's uh, little boy, and he's he's adorable, cutest little kid in the world. And he really took to me and I really took to him and uh, we were playing with, you know, all his toys and everything. And I got to realizing that he really didn't have any superhero stuff. So uncle Scott wanted to be the one to, to introduce him into comic book stuff. And what I really wanted to get him was a Superman. I wanted to, I wanted to get him his first Superman. And so what I had in mind was just, you know, a little like, cause he's only two. And I wanted to get him like a little like little kid friendly Superman figure. And I'm thinking that's not going to be too hard. Well, long story short, I couldn't find one. And there's this whole line of figures that's out now um, called Imaginex. I'm not sure which toy company puts them out, but they're the cutest little figures. And they're basically they're little DC guys with, you know, they're for little, little kids. So, you know, they've got kind of the exaggerated body proportions, you know, kind of a big head, big hands and feet, you know, they're made to stand very easily, you know, to where they won't just fall over or whatever they're, you know, they, they have a little bit of articulation and then, you know, there's all kinds of play sets and everything that you can get, you know, vehicles and, and, you know, big play sets and everything. But I got to noticing with this is that everything in that line is geared around Batman now, I have no problem with Batman. Batman's one of my top guys. He's, he's probably my number two guy, honestly, because you know, I've always been a really big Batman fan. But Superman's DC's guy, or at least he used to be. And I really feel like, especially when you're talking like a kid's line that's aimed at like the really little, little kids. I'm talking like under three or maybe three and up, you know, that because it's for little kids you you want it to be bright and and fun and kid friendly and everything 
everything in this line is based around Batman. So I was looking at this one playset, and it was really cool. Don't get me wrong. It was really neat. It was this big um, Batcave set. It was no, was it Batcave or was it Arkham Asylum? I forget. It was one of the two. And it had like it came with this whole bunch of figures with it. And it was like Batman and a bunch of the like the rogues gallery. So it was like the Joker and Harley Quinn and Killer Croc and Bane and a whole bunch of different ones. And I'm thinking this is really neat. But how, how dark is that? How twisted is that? That, you know, here here's baby's first superhero toy. And, and you know, the, all the villains are like. These are hardcore criminal killers, you know, <laughs> I'm thinking, that's not something I'm really comfortable giving to a child. You know, I'd, I'd re- much rather give him something with, you know, with Superman to, to introduce him because, you know, Superman's, a, a you know, arguably a lighter character, you know, with a lighter rogues gallery with a lot of the, you know, the different ones and everything. And I couldn't find anything like that. Um I did find there was one like token little two pack of Superman that was Superman versus Metallo. And the Metallo was really cute because he was kind of like the he was almost like the animated series looking Metallo where, you know, like some of the skin was torn away. So you could see he was a robot underneath kind of thing. He was really cool looking. The Superman looked like it was based on the Superman from that Injustice video game because it had the the cape that was actually linked to his S shield. His his suit was like just basically a the full body blue leotard. There were no trunks or anything. And I'm like, that's that's not Superman. That's not for his first Superman. I want him to have a proper Superman. And I was just I was so annoyed by this. I, I, so I just wanted to bring that up on the show and just, you know, in case by some miracle, somebody from DC might be listening or, or this makes it to their ears. It's just like, what are you guys thinking with this stuff? Why, why the dark stuff being presented to the little, you know, the tiny little ones, um, you know, lighten that, lighten that up, put some Superman out there, put some of the lighter characters out there. Um, I understand that, that for whatever reason, Batman, is is the character that DC's really pushing these days? I guess he must be their big cash cow right now. But you know, give some representatives to some of the or representation rather to some of the lighter characters for these little kids. I, I think Batman is just he's too dark a character to to be pushing for preschoolers. So I don't know. That was just I guess for, maybe for what it's more, worth, I I tend to agree with you that I think there should be. I, I understand the popularity of Batman. I understand the money-making potential of Batman. But I do think there should be a lighter line for younger kids. And yeah. nobody fits that role better than Superman. And, yeah. and I mean, Superman, I, I if we want to start like debating the world, because that's what we're going to do, because we're going to totally agree with each other, uh, I think he can fit all ages I don't, you know, I, I don't think there's ever a point where you should outgrow Superman. But if you're looking to appeal to, if you're looking to set out a, a toy line for two-year-olds, there's no one better to be your flagship character. I mean, it's that Absolutely. simple. Absolutely. You know, and, and for Marvel, it should Absolutely. be Captain America for that. You know, the ones who are looked at as being corny now by 
people who don't have uh, souls. <laughs> well, I ended up getting him because there's there is an, an equivalent Marvel line, and I, I'm sorry I couldn't tell you what the name of it was. I didn't catch the name of it. Who's, who's the who's the, the, the guy they have uh, there for two year olds? The Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> They actually, I mean, they in their line, they have um, they have quite a few characters. They had um, Spider-Man, Captain America, the Hulk, and I actually did see a Black Panther that was really cool looking. Um, and again, you know, they're they're the same thing. They're for little kids, so you know, big head, big hands and feet. You know, made to be you know easily gripped and posed and that sort of thing. And uh, but Spider-Man seems to be the front and center guy with that. And, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Spider-Man, um, you know, I, I, I see him as, you know, he, he is more kid-friendly and, and kid-accessible and that sort of thing. So I ended up getting him um, Spider-Man instead, and he loved that thing. And, you know, he he wouldn't put it down. He had it, you know, the whole rest of the time we were up there and everything and, and thought he was so cool, and he was playing with him and making him, you know, climb the walls and all that. And I thought that was really neat. And I just wish, you know, I, I could have given him that thrill, you know, from a DC character as well. But I just, I, I, I don't know. I just think Batman's the, the wrong thing. But I don't know that, that always goes back to my, I, I've always had this, this big head scratching thing with, uh, with the Batman 60s show as well, you know, where I look at that and go, why did they choose that character to, to do what they did, you know, in the, in the 60s, you know, to kind of make him this light, weird parody type of thing that they did? Because Batman, at the end of the day, at least in my mind, Batman is a dark tragedy. You know, that's not something that I think that that is good for, uh, you know, for especially not for little kids. But it's also not necessarily something, you know, that you want to take and, and do that that weird thing that they you know the representation they did with like the the 60s tv show i've never quite understood that but then again they didn't really play up that aspect of his character either you know so i don't know it's it's just it's funny what they choose to you know to put out there sometimes but i, I just i thought it was a real shame that you know, we went to multiple stores, you know, we went to multiple targets and Walmarts and I even went to some comic shops and stuff and just couldn't find a Superman for a little kid. Uh, that, that to me was heartbreaking. That, that was ultimately my point of, of bringing this up was how sad is that? You know, I can't remember a time when I was a little kid that I didn't have a Superman figure. I always had a Superman. I mean, you look at any, old photos of me as a, as a kid, you know, under like 12 years old, I always had a Superman in my hand. You know, I had a, you know, a Mego or, or, you know, they, you know, there, there were multiple Migos. You had the Migos with the, with the cloth uniforms and they had those little, like, what were they called? Pocket Migos. You know, I, I always had a Superman and now you can't find one. And, I, and that was ultimately my, my reason for bringing this up. I just think that's sad that, you know, has he really fallen that far out of favor that, there's he's not even represented out there now that because that that breaks my heart if that's really the case that that dc has such a a lack of faith in the character that y you can't even find him on toy store shelves now that that's sad you could be great again super bad <laughs> <laughs> all right <laughs> i think we go out on this 
but point well taken. Uh, I, I don't go, disagree with anything. We're going to go out on a downer. I don't want to go out on a downer. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you, what do you got to give us a positive to go out on? Um, Hmm. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that I have a positive to take us out on. Bill, give us something. You'll be swell. You'll be great. <laughs> nah, I got nothing. Right, that's where we're going out. <laughs> there you go. Thank you so much for listening to our show, and we hope you'll continue to join us each and every week for more good old-fashioned comic book back-issue awesomeness. You can contact Back to the Bins to leave feedback, comments, questions, suggestions, and criticisms via email at bins at twotruefreaks.com or by joining the Back to the Bins group on Facebook. Back to the Bins is a proud affiliate of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network, which you may find at www.twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is a registered trademark of DiManzo Corps of Milan, Italy. All rights reserved. Please take a moment to stop by the twotruefreaks.com site and check out their many other fine podcasts, won't you? Thanks, and we'll see you next week. So, oh, so what is this? Back to the bins? Where are we? We are back to the bins. We are back to the bins. Bum, 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 bum. No, that doesn't work, does it? Not really. Wait, we are binsers. Bum, 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 bum. Like we are farmers. I, I did figure that one out. <laughs> well, I want to make sure that you you know you knew what I was talking about. But the bump of the bump 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 doesn't go well, does it? Goes wonderfully. Yeah. Well then that's it. That's our new theme. All right. You just you know. We are binzers. Bum 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 bum. That will be a uh, a bumper. <laughs> no, really? That's all I have is a big giant bumper for you. Bumper boy. <laughs>